Welcome to Opus Private Clients Wealth Style Podcast. All of the material discussed on our podcasts have specific themes, and that's to move your wealth and lifestyle forward, increase your purpose, and provide you with clarity and confidence. Opus's mantra is always forward. We have found that regardless of one's wealth, moving your lifestyle forward is the number one priority for our clients. On our podcast, we'll share our rich 35 years of experience in designing strategies, share clients' experiences, and introduce resources that have positively impacted our clients. We trust that you will enjoy our direct, transparent, and realistic approach to positively impacting the quality of you and your family's lives. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Opus Wealth Style Podcast. Again, my name is Ivan Watanabe. I'll be the host today. Uh, today we have on Joe McGrath from Gradfin. I'm really excited to have you on, Joe, to talk about uh, the student loan marketplace, you know, a topic that's uh, near and dear to a lot of people. Um, and so I'm really, really psyched to have you on. Welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Great. Joe, why don't you tell the audience, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and sort of what you're up to and what Gradfin does. Yeah, happy to. So yeah, like Yvonne said, my name is Joseph McGrath. I'm a senior business development associate over here at Gradfin. Um, I was a third full-time hire over here uh, on the team. And what my job and what we do as a company entails is we work um, on two sides. We work one with financial advisors. Uh, we work as a value-add service to financial advisors where we help their clients refinance, consolidate, or seek forgiveness options for their student loans, as well as provide options for credit card refinancing, mortgage refinancing, and automotive loan refinancing. Uh, on the other end of the business, we also operate uh, on the corporate end. We get brought into companies and we are offered as part of the benefit packages to employees. Uh, basically, we offer the same services that we will to clients of advisors, just to companies through their HR departments. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and you've been a huge, tremendous help for, for several of my clients. As mentioned, you know, student loans are, are a huge topic for a lot of people and, you know, something that, that people seem to be pretty passionate about. So I'm, I'm excited to have you on. I think, you know, provide a ton of value to, to the audience. I think one of the things, Joe, that when we think about student loans, tell us a little bit about if, if you're a student applying to college these days, where would you start with applying for student loans? What are some of the mistakes that you see people making? You know, kind of kick it off with that for us. Yeah, what's well, really important, and whenever I get this question from any of the advisors that I work with, is education is key. Any potential borrower, if you're getting ready to plan to go to school and you need, you need to do some financial planning, um, educate yourself uh, as much as possible on the options that you have available to you. Obviously, the first step is going through um, the financial aid department and getting a hold of your FAFSA and filling that out to seeing where you qualify with regards to federal loans. Obviously, you want to max out on the amount of federal loans you would ever need to take out before even looking into getting a private loan on top of that. Uh, but beyond that, it, it isn't at such high level as that. We want people to really be aware of the differences and um, you know between certain types of loans or certain repayment options or interest rates, you know, be it fixed or variable or something like that. And there are multiple ways uh, individuals can pay off their federal loans. Um, well, right now there's a suspension of federal loans, which we'll obviously get into in a few minutes. But um, 
in a situation where an individual would need to begin paying on these once they graduate, they really need to be aware of the different repayment programs that are out there, whether it's a standard 10-year, income-based, income contingent, pay-as-you-earn, repay. Um, and it's all about taking the time to educate yourself on those options so that when you know you get to a situation where you're going to need to begin making payments on your loans, that you are fully aware of what, you, of what you're getting yourself into. Where would you go to get that education, Joe? You know, is that something you're making before you take out the student loans in college? Uh, or is that something that, you know, as you're starting to enter the workforce that you need to start educating yourself on what options there are after you've already taken out the federal loans? Well, really, it's however proactive you want to be. Um, a service like us, we do take the time to connect with anyone that would have a question regarding around that, even if it is high level as, hey, I'm getting ready to begin this process or my children are getting ready to begin this process and I want to know the right way to start taking these loans out, we can help. But obviously, you want to be fully aware of what your payment is going to be, how it's going to change over time prior to entering the workforce and getting ready to make payments. There's a six months. Uh, there's a six-month grace period uh, once you graduate before your federal loans kick in. Um, so, you know, taking the time there to uh, take a look at your loan breakdown, know where your monthly payments are going to be, know if they're going to shift. You know, if you're in a program like a lot of individuals who um, enter the workforce are, there's an income-based repayment program where your monthly payment is dictated off what you're going to be making as well as other debts that you have. So they calculate what they consider to be an affordable monthly payment into that. Um, but every two years or so, you need to recertify your paperwork and that payment's going to change. So you need to be aware of what's going on there as well. So it's all about being proactive. And if you're someone who really wants to stay on top of their financial planning, uh, they would meet with someone like you. Um, you, know, you can give them the breakdown, you would connect them to me, and then we would take it from there. But it's really whenever you want to start thinking about, okay, where am I going to be in the next few years? Am I going to be prepared to start making payments? And then you can start having those conversations. Great. No, that's, that's good insight. And so you, you mentioned taking the federal loans first and, and really starting with that. What are the different considerations that, that people need to make between a federal loan and a privatized loan uh, through you know, one of the providers that you, that you guys offer? Definitely. Yeah. So with federal loans, you're going to be provided with a lot more options with regards to one, um, abilities to pay off the loans, whether it's a repayment option. Like I mentioned before, federal loans are very flexible with the amount of repayment options they individuals have available to them. Uh, they also have a lot of protections that are wrapped up in the government, such as forgiveness upon death. Um, you know, different ways, you know, they, as of right now, actually, there's a suspension of federal loans. And this is something we'll probably talk a little bit more about. But, um, you know, federal loans right now, as a result of what's going on with the pandemic, are suspended until the beginning of October. Um, we could talk more about that in a minute. But long story short, uh, there are certain deferment options individuals have available to them with regards to federal loans. Uh, you can customize your payment in certain ways, whereas with private loans, you're just you're required to make a payment every single month. There's a lot less flexibility. Um, there's a lot less assistance. And if you ever, for whatever reason, lose the ability to pay on your loans, you can end up in a lot of trouble. Uh, your credit score can, can drop significantly. You can get your wages garnished. There's a lot of issues that can come in there. Right. So, I mean, I think why, why don't we kind of dive into it because, you know, a lot of people have pushed their payments off, you know, as a result of the program that got released from the government. As you mentioned, flexibility is really, really key. And so, you know, having these conversations with folks and, and the big difference for me between federal and, and privatized loans is that flexibility, not necessarily the rate, because Again, a, a big consideration that, that we take a look at when having conversations with folks is around the flexibility of 
the private loan versus a public loan, right? Or excuse me, the public loan versus a private loan. And, you know, maybe it's not necessarily the rate so much, but as we've seen with the government program that got rolled out and having student loans uh, payments be deferred, I think it, you know, the flexibility is really, really key. So why don't you kind of tell us a little bit about what the government released, you know, for those who aren't familiar and, you know, what the bank or what your opinion is on, on maybe either an extension or what, what you, what you see folks doing going forward. Yes. And, and certainly student loans have been such a, a hot button issue um, throughout the entire uh, presidential campaign the last year. So I'll kind of peel the layer back because this is conversations that I'm having with every advisor that I speak to. Part of the reason um, you know, I'm reaching out to so many people uh, the last few months is to make sure they're aware of stuff like this down to the borrower as well. So uh, back in March, uh, when the world seemingly ended, um, the Trump administration announced as part of their first um, you know, stimulus package was the CARES Act. And what that was going to be is that they were going to freeze, initially just freeze the interest on federal student loans. So people would only be required to make uh, their monthly payment without interest factored in. Uh, about three days later, I believe it was around March 15th or 16th of 2020, they announced, no, we're still going to freeze uh, interest as well as payments. So individuals were not required to make payments and their interest was not going to accrue on their federal loans for, I think initially it was about three months. Uh, it seemed like every three months, once we cracked up the finish line, it was extended for another three months. Uh, and that carried on up until about December of this year. So people had from March to December, um, they, they were not required to make monthly payments on their federal student loans. In the last stimulus package that the Trump administration um, put out there before the Biden administration came into play, uh, there was no extension of federal student loans mentioned. So we at Graffin thought, okay, well, this means uh, federal loans are going to kickstart. And then about a few days later, we found out um, that the Biden administration is one of their first actions day one when they, uh, after the inauguration, was to um, reenact that CARES Act suspension of federal loans. Initially, we thought it was going to be uh, March. Uh, we were wrong. Day one, literally the day he was inaugurated, we found out that federal loans were going to be frozen until October 1st. So up until October, individuals are going to be continued. No requirement to make payments on their federal loans. Interest is not accruing. But back to what you said before, the flexibility aspect, this provides individuals with a really great opportunity. What that opportunity is, is that they can actually continue making payments on their federal loans. And the kicker here is everything that you pay on your federal loans right now goes directly to the principal balance. So there's no interest um, that's taken up a majority of what the monthly payment is. And if individuals are strategic enough in the way that they do this, uh, maybe identifying higher interest rate federal loans first, they can actually, if they throw a substantial amount of money at it, actually knock out a large portion of that main balance and really change um, you know, the outlook of their financial planning for years to come. I, mean, um, I know people that I work with or I went to school with, uh, maybe who went to law school and stuff like that, and they've used this year as an opportunity to make significant damage on their federal loans. So you don't necessarily have that option on the private side. Uh, they've been required to continue making payments since March. So that's why it's really important uh, in this sort of circle back to when I, when I mentioned um, originally with financial planning from the offset to really know the breakdown and difference between those loans because while you can continue to make payments on your federal loans and keep hacking off at that principal or you can choose to forego monthly payments and save a little bit of money uh, while those loans are suspended because a lot of individuals um, have lost a good majority of their income. Uh, with private loans, there's no, been no better time to refinance because as a result of federal loans being suspended, a lot of these private banks are really itching to get more loans in the door. So they've lowered 
their interest rates for refinancing. So if you have private loans, there's been no better time than the present to continue to refi. Refinance rates on private loans are actually the lowest that they've been since I've started here and I've been here since January of 2018. So, um, you know, if you're refinancing private loans, you can refinance as many times as you like. Uh, and federal loans, you know, you obviously want to stay in this program unless you wanted to lock yourself into a very low rate uh, and go from a federal loan to a private loan by refinancing. Yeah. I mean, it makes a ton of sense, right? I think I think in the private loan space, it's it's a race to the bottom. You know, you're trying to get the lowest interest rate possible, you know, on that on that debt, and and making sure that you're refinancing in this low interest rate environment is absolutely the plan. Where do you stand on people that are considering taking public loans and refinancing them with a private institution? You know, where are the circumstances where you say that may not make sense, and and you know, on occasion, or are there examples where you would recommend taking a private loan, or excuse me, a public loan private? Yeah, so it's a great question. Uh, and the short answer, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I will get a little bit more in depth, but the short answer is, I would say 95% uh, of people right now should not refinance their, 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 their federal loans into private loans. It just doesn't make sense. I would say higher than 95, 98, 99, uh, mm -hmm. because there's such a long time before federal loans are going to be, are going to be re, you know, reinstated. Um, you know, when we thought this program was originally going to wrap up um, in January and federal loans were going to kickstart, our plan of action was to reach out to everyone and say, hey, everyone in a month. I know we talked, you know, a few months ago and we said, hey, this isn't the time to refinance your federal loans. Uh, but this program is wrapping up next month. We're expecting rates to increase once federal loans come back into play. Um, why don't you lock in a low rate right now? So the question of refinancing your federal loans is a question that's better asked maybe a two months or at least a month before those that, that, that suspension wraps up and federal loans come back. Because we do expect after federal loans do come back um, that the rates will, for refinancing will increase just because the amount of people that will be looking to do it. But that also raises the question of what the Biden administration is going to do with student loans. Um, right. you know, a, big news, a big news item has been people calling for you know, sweeping forgiveness or a $50,000 sweeping forgiveness or even a $10,000 sweeping forgiveness across the board. If you ask me, and I obviously have no insider information, but the reason why the extension has been as long as it was, as opposed to just going until March, uh, you know, going all the way up to October, was so that this administration can buy themselves some time just to figure out what they're going to do. Obviously, I like I said, I have no insider information. In a few months, I could be completely wrong, but we just really don't know yet. So that's another reason why individuals right now really shouldn't or isn't wise to refinance their federal loans just yet because we do want to wait and see, okay, what's exactly going to happen? Because there is going to be something, we just don't know what, because any sort of sweeping forgiveness is going to be a complete dogfight to get past. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's it's a really fine balance and it's a conversation that I have often because, you know, let's imagine we're in September and there is no, um, you know, they're going to reinstate the the student loan payments the very next month. I'd be really upset if I was the individual that refinanced my public debt and then the very mm. next month they decided to forgive it, right? <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. I yeah. think it's that it's that game, it's that sort of the, the game plan around how, you know, what's the likelihood that I think things are going to get forgiven? What kind of industry are you in? You know, there are certain industries that I think have a little bit more understanding of the student loan debt um, space and and. You know, I find a lot of doctors saying, hey, you know, I'm willing to pay a little bit more in the interest rate right now 
um, with my public loan that I am to refinance in a private loan, regardless of the PSLF program, but just because you know, there is a small chance that maybe one of these administrations forgives medical debt for what's been going on with the pandemic. So, you know, it, it is a very, very touchy subject and it's a conversation that we're having, we're having all the time. Yeah, definitely. And you did mention there, you know, public service loan forgiveness, and, and, and I'm not sure if that was something you wanted to get into, but that in and of itself is an issue that's been, um, you know, widely discussed for what's how that's going to change in the coming years. I'm not sure if you had any questions on that, but, you know, happy to get into it. Yeah, I, I would love to. I mean, a good, a good percentage of our audience are in the medical space. And so for those who don't know, why don't you just kind of tell them a little bit about what the PSLF program is and, and, and you know, what it stands for and, and what it's about? Yeah, happy to. So Public Service Loan Forgiveness, PSLF, was a program that was rolled out in 2007 under the Bush administration. It was in the final year of the Bush administration. And what that program was, it was a loan repayment option for individuals who work in public schools, like public school teachers, uh, public health systems, doctors, nurses, or 501c3 or nonprofits. And what that program was, it was a loan repayment option to entice individuals to stay in these organizations for 10 years. Uh, for the 10 years, their monthly payments on student loans would be calculated on an income-based repayment, which we discussed before. That's the program that takes into consideration how much money you make per month, other debt that you have, and it calculates what it considers to be a affordable monthly payment based on that. And the idea was if you stayed in these organizations for 120 months or 10 years of payments, at the end of that road, the remaining balance on your student loans would be forgiven. For doctors especially, um, people who have such a substantial loan balance as it is, this was huge uh, because it meant that individuals can get as much, you know, as much as $150,000, $200,000. I've seen $300,000 being forgiven across the board for people who stayed in this program. So it seems like a no-brainer. It seemed like it was a godsend. And then in 2017, when the first round of applicants hit the finish line and applied for forgiveness, 98% of people were rejected. So 98% of people who worked in these organizations for 10 years suddenly found out their loans were not going to be forgiven. Same goes for 2018, same goes for 2019, same goes for 2020. Why is that the case? Um, well, it really stems from a number of different reasons. Uh, the program was put together very haphazardly, um, but it really stems from a low level of understanding of the Department of Education's laws. And it's through no fault of the borrowers themselves uh, the program is extremely complicated. The program has a lot of hoops you need to jump through in order to stay in that program. Recertifying your income every year, tracking your payments internally, making sure you report any changes in your income or going from um, one hospital system to another. People may not even be aware that some hospitals um, offer public service loan forgiveness and others don't. And a lot of people uh, just signed up for the program and thought, great, 10 years, I'm done. When in actuality, they had no idea that they needed to really stay on top of this with regards to um, you know filing your paperwork annually and everything like that. Tracking payments was a huge part of it as well. People maybe missed a payment five or six years into the program and weren't even aware of it because they don't really do um, that great of a job of warning individuals that they um, you know, have fallen out of favor with that program. So when they sign up for forgiveness, they find out that they missed this payment way back when. They got to find out. They got to find out what went wrong. Um, so that is all of that together leads to the 98% of people who are rejected. 
And you know that may not be that much of an issue if people were able to figure out what went wrong and then reapply right again um, to, for the forgiveness and then get, get it once they resolve whatever their issue was. But unfortunately, you can't do that that quickly. If you are rejected for whatever reason for public service loan forgiveness, it's not that you can just re figure out what went wrong, reapply and get forgiven. You have to wait another calendar year to apply again for forgiveness. Wow. And if you don't even know where your issue stems from, that can lead to two years, three years, and so on and so forth. So those are just some of the issues uh, and why, in addition to figuring out what they're going to do with uh, forgiveness of student loans, you can definitely expect there to be some news with regards to them revamping that program, changing that program in one way or the other. Because in 2017, there wasn't that many people enrolled in the program, 2018, 2019. And when you start to see, okay, we're three, four years into people applying for forgiveness, um, how is this not a bigger news issue? You're starting to see now uh, the collective voices of those people who were rejected starting to come together and call for them to be some sort of uh, change with that program. Got it. I mean, you're right. I think it has from a from broad strokes, everybody's really excited about the program. But, you know, the execution of it and the devil's in the details with this. And, and you're right. We've seen uh, people kind of go through the program and unfortunately just not have the success that they thought they were going to have you know, on the back end. So what are the top three things that you make sure people, you know, start doing and when should they start doing it um, as it relates to public loan, public service loan forgiveness? Sure. And, um, you know, that's where we come into, into play. So what GradFin does in order to help individuals with this, with this process is we have a membership program revolving around this. It is a fee-based program. It's the only fee-based program that we offer. It's $250 per year. But what we do as a part of this program is we ensure people stay in compliance with that program. Uh, we meet with them annually to help them file their paperwork. That's probably the most important thing, making sure that you're always filling out your, an your annual recertification forms for your income, reporting changes in your income to the Department of Education. Uh, what we're doing in addition to that is we're tracking qualified payments. And if you're not enrolled in this program and you, you wouldn't want to be for whatever reason, I'm talking about our membership program, of course, tracking your payments is also very, very important. Making sure that it is ticking up to that 120 qualified payments, making sure your payments stay qualified. We can actually retroactively get payments back if anything were to go awry. I've seen us get up to three years of monthly payments um, retroactively counted towards forgiveness. And then, you know, making sure you stay on top of changes if you're going to change a position within the organization that you're in. You're going to go from one institution to another, making sure that state that is also a qualifying institution. Um, just doing your due diligence to stay enrolled in that program. And part of what we do on our membership side is we do that for you. We meet it. We meet annually. We track everything internally so that when you do get up to the finish line, when you apply for forgiveness, you have the evidence that you've done all those 120 payments correctly. Uh, so we can just reduce the possibility of mismanagement of payment history. So really, it's about holding the individual's hand right up until the finish line, making sure they've done everything correctly so they, they can wrestle easier night knowing they can expect forgiveness at the end of the 10 years. That's great. And how early should folks be contacting you in the process? And how early should folks be looking at um, whether or not the PSLF program is a good fit? Yeah, so it depends on what area you want to get into. If we're talking strictly about medical, um, about medical professionals, um, you know, if you find your, if you know for if you know you're going to be going to an institution that has public service loan forgiveness available to you, um, you really need to meet with your with your HR department. And say, hey, I want to I want to enroll in this program. Once you get that paperwork, we're ready to hop hop on a call with you to figure out what's what to help you first fill out everything correctly and then start your right from the beginning. However. Um, you know, if you're someone who's going to be not concerned about 
um, staying in that organization for 10 years. Maybe you want to go to a private practice where public service loan forgiveness won't be available to you. Uh, maybe it's a situation where you just stay on a standard income-based repayment and not enroll in public service loan forgiveness. You're still going to have the same monthly payment whether that's considered um, affordable. Uh, but obviously, in three years, you can switch to a different institution where you're going to make a lot more money, refinance your loans, and then or, you know, work, work, on those, work on those from there on out. But it starts with the introductory call that we would have with anyone. Uh, and this doesn't even stem from public service loan forgiveness. Our number one product that we offer individuals is a 20-minute fee-free consultation phone call. And on that phone call is when we connect with an individual, we review their portfolio of loans, and we look at any and all options uh, with regards to their current situation. We talk to them about their income, credit score, debt-to-income ratio, and that helps us determine a few different things. One, should you refinance? Two, if you, shouldn't, uh, if you shouldn't refinance, why shouldn't you refinance and what are some options you have there? That kind of gets into the stuff we talked about earlier with the CARES Act and strategically paying your loans off right now because everything you can pay right now goes directly to the principal. If it's going to be refinanced, we look to the 12 banks on our platform. Uh, we are a broker at the end of the day, so we match individuals to the bank that will um, yield them the highest possible chance of approval at the lowest possible interest rate um, or a combination of paying off your federal loans and refinancing your private loans. And then finally, looking into um, if public, someone has public service loan forgiveness available to them, talking to them about the program, explaining to them what the program is, why they should enroll in the membership program, and then getting them enrolled in the program. So um, you know, we would connect with anyone, no matter where they are in the process, because we can do student loan origination as well. Uh, and our main service is that 20-minute conversation where we go through what someone's situation is and try to customize what the right course of action is for that individual. That's great. That's great. Joe, um, where can folks get in contact with you? Uh, where can they learn, learn a little bit more about Gradfin? Well, that would be through you. So, um, you know, my position over here at the company is that I'm a value-add service. I'm a value-add for financial advisors. So um, the idea is they would connect with you uh, in either your annual meetings or your fact finder meetings, uh, whether you're being introduced to them or they've been your client for whatever amount of years. Um, and my, my, my cheesy line that I always say to uh, financial reps that I work with is whoever you think can benefit from a conversation about their student loans, no matter where they are in the process, introduce them to me. From there on out, you would shoot me an email with that individual CC'd. I'd reach out. I'd reach back out. We'd schedule a time for the individual to chat with someone on the team, and we pretty much just go from there. Great. And for those who aren't working with us or aren't working with an advisor, you know, is there a way for them to contact you directly? Absolutely. You can go directly through the website. Um, there'll be a tab right at the top, www.gradfin.com, G-R-A-D-F-I-N. And um, there's a tab, a drop down that, that says, do you want to refinance your loans? Do you want to do public service loan forgiveness? Do you want to refinance your mortgage, automotive and credit card? You select which one you want to go to, a calendar will pop up and um, you select the time and put your contact information and you are ready to go. Um, if you'd like to talk to me directly, all you have to do is go to the My Team tab. Uh, you find my name, uh, like I said, Joseph McGrath, Senior Business Development Associate. Uh, my email's right there, click email or give me a ring. I'm always happy to chat on the phone with whoever wants to chat with me and we can set it up like that if you'd rather. Joe, uh, any other things that you wanna make sure the audience takes away from, from our conversation today? This has been super valuable. Uh, I'm sure we're gonna get a lot of uh, a strong feedback from it. Glad to hear it. Um, yeah, I mean, to kind of put a bow on it, I, I always say education is key and um, it's always about being proactive. So at the end of the day, even if you're someone who thinks to yourself, I don't want to refinance my loans, I am comfortable in my situation, it's 20 minutes out of the day uh, that can save you potentially thousands of dollars over the life of repayment of your student loans. So 
it never hurts to have a conversation. I'm sure, Yvonne, this is something you say to you know any potential clients that you're that you're working with. It never hurts just to have a conversation to see what's sure. what. And that's what we're here to do at the end of the day. It's about having a conversation that's specifically catered to what your situation is and what options you have available to you, be it refinancing, forgiveness, or whatever the situation may be. So never hesitate. Always take the call. That's my advice. Awesome. Well, Joe, I really, really appreciate the time. Thank you for the the time and the, uh, the insights. I'm sure the audience appreciated it. Uh, and to our listening audience, thank you so much. Uh, we really, really appreciate it. Uh, this is another episode of the Opus Wealth Style Podcast. Um, feel free to subscribe below, and uh, we look forward to speaking to you soon. Be well. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Style Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guests, speakers, and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Opus Private Client, LLC and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and its subsidiaries do not issue or advise with regard to student loans. Yvonne Watanabe, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, Securities Products and Advisory Services offered through PAS, member FINRA SIPC, Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Opus Private Client LLC is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. Evod's California Insurance License Number 0H44206. Compliance Approval 2020-116312 expires February 2023.